everybody to the Between You and I podcast, the Bad Grammar podcast. Um, this is our number seven podcast, and it's taken us a while. And today, it's just Ryan and I. And I shouldn't say, "Oh, it's just Ryan and I." Um, no, it's just it's just you and I. Yeah, it's, it's not, not exciting it's, at all. <laughs> it's between you and I today. So, <laughs> um, but I have tons to talk about, um, par usual. Um, and so, welcome everybody. Um, we're doing basically a catch up. Like, where you been? And and. Uh, the plan is is to get on doing more of these, but it's been a little while. Last one we did was in February, um, and it is now August. So we've taken a big break, and a lot has happened in between that time, and I think it's a good share. So um, I don't know if you know, Ryan, but uh, so last year was fairly hard for me and for a lot of others. There just seemed to be a lot of people passing away. For sure. And, yeah, it's been, ugh, been a rough time. Yeah, like a deluge. I at one point, especially with musicians in the world uh, that I don't know. At one point, like on Facebook, I think I saw like I don't know who it was who clicked it for me. Maybe it was David Bowie, and because there had been so many people before that. But I was like, you gotta be kidding me, or Prince. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on? Like, there just had been so many people. I don't. I'd love to know what's up with this year, or if it's significant. Yeah, it definitely but, seems like this year's been. For like people who are well known, for sure, like especially musicians and actors, it just seems like there's been a lot more of them, like back to back. Yeah, like crazy. And I've had my own passing. So this year was a sad year. The bass player of my first band, Hammerbox, James Atkins, passed away from cancer, um, esophageal cancer, and um, it's just it's hard in general. You know, when I was in my twenties, I knew folks who passed away. You know, there was more of the folks you know, during the chaos year, 27 passing away from usually drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew a few folks who passed away, but I wouldn't say I was, I, I knew them, but I wasn't as close as their friends, you know, Mia Zapata or Stephanie from seven year bitch, um, larger scale, you know, Kurt Cobain, but I did not know him. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, I didn't, I probably didn't feel the pain that their close, close friends did, but I knew them and it was happening in my world. Um, and it wasn't until, well, it definitely wasn't until my mother passed and my mom passed three years ago. And that's, you know, I jokingly say like, oh, I've, I've been so lucky to not have someone really close to me die. And then the closest person I know dies. So like, it's like going from zero to 110 in grief. Right, right. <laughs> it's it's like, like, I mean, how do you even, it's one of those things you just don't, there's nothing you can really do. You just have to grieve and, and hurt yeah. and stuff. Well, and grief is such is different for everyone, as is said often, and it's very true. Grief is people process grief differently, and you know, there's a lot said about the um, path of grief. You know, like denial and then anger and all sorts of stuff. But you know, everybody grieves differently. You might go from one to the next, back to the other phase, to what have you. But um, that one, my mother passing was, uh, I think, is. Other than knock on wood. Okay, I'm really getting ahead of myself, but knock on wood, nothing happened to my immediate family, being my husband and my son. I mean, that's probably the worst, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Nobody's looking forward to that, and it's it's going to come. But I, I personally had things around my mom's passing that I clung to or believe in enough that kind of shored me up a bit. You know, there's, there's definitely all kinds of processing you don't think about you know it's it's having someone who's known you your whole life or witnesses your whole life and 
uh, gone and all sorts of deep thoughts like that that you don't realize you're going to think about. Like I didn't think about the fact that Orion's oh, not going to grow up with my mom, mm-hmm. my son. And I, I hadn't like I'm going to have to explain her probably uh, and remind him of her because uh, she passed when he was six. Right. So um, this is something I hadn't thought about. Any, anyway, so there's lots there's lots of layers, and um, I, it's three years ago. I'm doing much better. I have a very deep. Um, I'm probably more of a metaphysical believer person, and so I have things that I believe in that really help me out uh, in that arena, and have helped me process grief or her passing. But this year, uh, James passed away, and then my stepfather passed away, and. I think, you know, on top of just my mom passing, it was just all of a sudden, I just, I personally fell, I think in that grief, I should say that grief caught up with me right? and got compounded. And, uh, I ended up taking, I don't know if you know, I ended up taking two months, two and a half months off from work. Yeah. I remember you mentioning that you were taking some time off. I yeah. don't remember the exact extent, but yeah, it definitely seemed like it was a, an important and the right choice you know, thing to do. Yeah. And luckily, you know, uh, Wirestone, where I work and you've worked in the past, we're, we're very gracious mm-hmm. and we're a very uh, absolutely get out of here kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, go ahead, get out. Um, and so I'm very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for that time. But um, uh, but it's been, you know, again, those passings are I'm, I'm witnessing how other people are going through it, be it, you know, with James he had um, several folks who were his immediate, constant caretakers, his ex-wife, uh, Jennifer Crane, and Greta Harley, and then another ex of his. That was kind of our running joke, that all of his exes were the ones who were with him every day. And, yeah. and that, that speaks volumes for how wonderful he was and how much they loved him and do you know still love him. But they were there with him every day. So you know, cancer's um, a terrible, terrible thing. And um, they were there with him every day. So you're just watching wh- how devastating that was for them dealing with the cancer care process, hospitals, just the, the stress and madness and pain of it all. So, mm-hmm. um, but I also watched my community that I had been with, you know, my twenties, you know, we're all 25 years older and it was beautiful to watch people rally around James and help make sure he felt he had a place to live and bills paid for and um, that, that hopefully it was, you know, we took care of, that's not something he would need to worry about. Right. It's so great when the community does come together. Sometimes you wish that we could all just do that when we were all healthy. Like everybody just came together and helped each other out, but it's still, you know, it's a powerful thing when people recognize these challenges and come to support each other. You make a really good point though. You make a really good point. I say that like, you know, why wait until someone's ill Mm -hmm. You know, come together. Now, I've had conversation with friends like, why do, um, why don't, you know, for all the people I've been in bands with, they've all had kids, but we don't all hang out together. Like, my kid isn't being raised with their kids, and why are we living so separately? Like, I, my closest friends live far away from me. Why aren't we grouping together and mm-hmm. living in the same neighborhoods? And, uh, and yeah, and, and being closer together right here, right now. And, and I think, out of these experiences, people are doing that. They are, they, I mean, they have those revelations and are reaching out more. So, you know, like 
with James passing, like I contacted our drummer I hadn't talked to in a good 15 years and it was wonderful to talk to him and um, having conversations with people that I hadn't before and now we're having very deep, frank, uh, loving conversations and, you know, we did a two-night concert for James to raise money and it was, uh, everyone's saying it was like a rock and roll reunion and it really was, like it was uh, Hammerbox got together our band and seven year bitch and Rachel Flotard fronted the gits. They hadn't played since the passing of Mia. It was powerful. Uh, yeah. Celine got up, uh, and did, um, with other friends got together and did seven year bitch music. Um, alcohol, funny car. Um, all, I mean all sorts of people. And it was, it was wonderful and beautiful and watching the audience who loved those bands come out. Um, and rally was pretty powerful. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it's so great to get everybody together and remind everybody what it's all about. It's like having a yeah. good time playing music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And talk and then talking like we had, you know, we hadn't really all been talking. And so I think that those those conversations continue on. And so, you know, um, my I think that um, I, I found it really hard when James passed when he got ill. I I saw him lastly at the concert. And then he, from what I, from what I gather, I think was much more reticent to see people. I would call Greta and say like, she's like, if you're going to come, you should come see him. And then it would be like, oh, he's not, you know, he doesn't want to see anybody and, or he's not return, you know, Mm -hmm. he's exhausted, you know, he's ill, he's exhausted. And, you know, the weekend he passed, I just, uh, I couldn't get myself to go see him. And Greta was very kind and gracious. And, and, you know, by the time he the weekend he passed, um, by the time he was in the hospital, uh, you know, he was unconscious. And so she was very gracious because I felt guilty. I felt like I should go be there. I should be there when he passes. And I just was, I got overwhelmed and mm-hmm. couldn't go. And she was like, you know, be with your family and think about him and, you know, love him from there, you know, from right, the right. confines of your house and your family. And I just, I really appreciated that. Um, cause I think I felt bad, you know, it's guilty. a hard thing. I mean, it's like, you can't, sometimes it's, it's just difficult to make that decision, but I think it is right to be with your family. I mean, it's definitely the person's in your thoughts and that's, yeah, that's enough. I think in a lot of ways, so like, just be like, dude, I'm thinking about this person all the time, you know, and that makes a big difference in how they made a difference in my life. You know, that's something you, you can't, even if you're in the same place as somebody else, it's like, you don't really share that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, well, thank you for saying that. I think, I think, uh, I do think he's, I, I do believe when people pass that none of these burdens are with them no, and uh, that they, they are feeling great. We are left behind to feel our feelings. So. <laughs> That's the unfair thing. I think they're doing a lot better than us. They're like, well, like I'm all good now. You know, you guys, uh, can suffer. <laughs> Fully. Like, why are you still crying? Knock it off. And I'm like, oh, it's not that easy. Like, <laughs> it's definitely not easy. It's so hard when you just like, Come to the grips. Yeah. You're like, I can't ever see that person again, and they were so important to me. You know? Right? Yeah. There's all that lingering, or any regrets, or anything like that. I um, I had a uh, when my step the weekend my stepfather passed, and his passing was, you know, we knew it was coming. I had uh, good good things around that as well. Like I saw him. I flew to the Tri Cities, which is where I'm from, where he was, and uh, I flew to the Tri Cities the week before he passed, purposely to see him, and uh we just had the most lovely exchange. He had, um, dementia and he had had sort of, you know, he'd always had kind of chronic, like 
fluid in the lungs and things like that. And, you know, it was 82. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to the rehab center where he was, and, and he knew like his neighbors owned the rehab center. So it was really a lovely place. They were super jovial. They loved him there. Like, I'm, I'm grateful that. That's good. You know, yeah. Like it was really, um, it was a good place, which I'm, I'm glad. And, you know, we, I sat with him and his dementia was, I think, and it, you know, he just was tired and run down, but he was very peaceful. Um, which is for my stepfather is uh, not unusual. Like (laughs) he used to be fairly, you know, crotchety and, you know, just God damn it. Everything, you know, um, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Right. You don't know anybody (laughs) like that, you know? (laughs) So it was really, and I could tell he couldn't really hold, you know, he couldn't hold a conversation in terms of remembering, but he was very peaceful and, you know, I could see him trying and, you know, then he would sort of fall asleep a little bit and then wake up. And I, you know, after a while, I thought to myself, I don't want this to be um, uh, taxing for him mm-hmm. to wake up and be like, oh, you're still here. You know, like, well, who are you again? And I was like, I don't want to do that. So I finally said to him, I said, you know, Grover, is there anything I can do for you? And he looks at me and he goes, oh, just three kisses and a hug. <laughs> I just thought yeah. that was so sweet. And so I walked over and I gave him hugs and I gave him a kiss and I said, you know, I love you. And he goes, oh, honey, I love you, too. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so – and then I had to run. I had to get out of there. I was just, like, mm-hmm. bursting. So my friends picked me up and, you know, it was just it was just um, emotional. But I'm so grateful that, that we had such a sweet exchange. Right, right. And then um, and the next weekend, um, I had uh, I had started seeing kind of like a, a coach, you know, not like a life coach. She was sort of – well, kind of. And um, – I had gone to her actually to talk about music and my emotions around performing or my, my anxiety. And, and, uh, she really, uh, she put me through the paces that day. Cause so she made me break it down. Like, what is your fear? This is probably a whole nother podcast, just my <laughs> anxiety or, you know, my emotions around mm-hmm. me doing music, but, um, she made me break it down and um, that really helped a lot. And she also kind of gave me some mantras like you can to do this. you know. Like, mm-hmm. And so the next weekend I was I had uh, said I'd do a show at the Triple Door with Danny from Goodness and uh, on a Sunday and on that day Grover passed. And but I have to say I felt completely serene and empowered. And Danny had even said, hey, if you don't want to play, I totally understand. And it was the first time in a long time I ever felt a hundred percent grounded and purposeful. It's like, no, I'm absolutely singing. Like mm-hmm. I, I, for more reasons than you can imagine. And even folks who were there that night were like, I commented, they were like, you, you looked more grounded, poignant and purpose than I'd ever seen you. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I hit the stage with a comfort I hadn't felt in a long time. But also like a confident, um, I do this for a reason right? and for lots of healing reasons. Well, I think that's true of a lot of artists, not just musicians, yeah. but everything. It's like, it's a way to express the things that you have a hard time dealing with, you know, maybe in the regular world and regular language, you're like, well, I can use this as an outlet. Yeah. Well, and I don't think I had purposely done that. Like, and now that's much more a part, um, you know, that's much more part of what I work with is like you... You know, and what I desire is like, you need to have a reason why I'm doing this, not just to think I'm cool or something, you know, like, right, right. Um, 
I really needed that to feel like a sense of a sense of purpose. And so, um, and so that I found that really amazing and I could continue to kind of work on that, but, um, but back to taking, so, you know, after that, I, I think, you know, how work is, we, I know for folks who don't know, are you okay if I say you work there, <laughs> right? There's no reason not to. No. Um, we both worked at, um, or at a place called Wirestone and it's like many agencies, a digital agency. Um, and you know, I project manage. And so that's a whole nother beast into itself. And, you know, it's a lot of wrangling, taking care of and whatever. My brain just couldn't do it uh, at that time. You know what I mean? Like, I think I forget things and it's kind of a part of the grief. Sometimes, you know, you're just, you're, my, you're just muddled, you know? And so I, uh, I took two months off. But during that time, and this is one of the things I kind of wanted to touch base on is I'd seen my doctor and, you know, it starts with when you do short term disability for anybody who doesn't know mm-hmm. at your work, um, you go see your doctor, your doctor makes a recommendation cause they have to sign off on it. Right. Uh, sense. Yeah. And she had said like, yeah, you need, you need time to fill your cup. Like your cup is empty. You need time to um, rejuvenate and heal. And so, but she had also recommended, uh, antidepressants. Um, cause she's like, you know, your brain might just be a little in her, in, in her, talking it was like well your brain's overwhelmed it's stuck you know like in a pattern Mm -hmm. um maybe suggesting antidepressants helps break that pattern which i think is true for a lot of people um i definitely think so i mean i think people are under a lot more stress than it seems like they used to be mentally like i mean we used to have like more physical stress it seems like in our lives and yeah it's just like so much more all the time yeah and i um and I mean, I could understand sort of, you know, there's a whole, you know, I don't know deep science around depression, but just like, you know, your neurotransmitters and, you know, and mm-hmm. your brain gets set in a certain pattern or there's so much more that I don't know. So I don't want to disrespectfully <laughs> say I know we anything. Should, we need to get an expert on the show one of these times. We should. Yeah. Yes. Actually, it'd be fascinating. Well, I ended up taking, I ended up taking a couple of antidepressants, but my experience wasn't just my experience wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So like I took Lexapro. And for me, I, I mean, it just, uh, if I wasn't depressed before, I certainly was depressed when I started taking oh, it. Yikes. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it was scary. And that's Ryan. That's such a good thing that you say, because I really was like, oh my, I mean, you feel your brain, like these are chemicals that are rearranging my brain. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like this is chemically messing with my head. And, um, it made me, uh, I, my reaction to it was like, I got dark and I got exhausted and I definitely was just like, I couldn't, uh, if I'd walked down the street, I could, there was no uplifting mm-hmm. thought. It was very dark and I literally would go out to the backyard and just sit, you know, like that's about all I could do. And so I thought, well, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. Like this isn't, <laughs> this is what you wanted to do. You're trying to refill, not, uh, sit uh, wallow in the depression. Yeah. I was like, well, and it's scary to go, wow, look at, you know, look, look at me. I'm it was scary to watch, feel what my brain was doing. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, this, this isn't right. This, this is supposed to help me out. And, and people say, and I don't know, you know, Oh, it takes four to six weeks for it to kick in. But my mind was like, do I have to feel like this for four to six weeks? Yeah. I would hope not. Yeah. I I took antidepressants for a while, but I, I mean, I'm off them now. I probably shouldn't be, but (laughs) that's a, that's another story. Uh, But I I remember, yeah, I remember it actually helping, not not right away, like, but not basically not really feeling any effects for a little while, and then it's starting to like slowly get a little bit better. Right. But it wasn't like 
I felt like terrible when I took them. So it was probably the right medication for me. Right. And I, you know, I reached out to people, you know, I did the Facebook thing. That's the one thing I, I guess I like about Facebook is the reaching out to whomever can see your message. But, um, uh, saying, Hey, has anybody else had this reaction? And mm-hmm. I got a deluge of like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like there's a, there was a group of people who took Lexpro hated it too. But then there was other people who were like, it works for me. And then there was a group of people who were like, well, you know, it takes time and it might be like a couple years before you write, find the right combination. And I thought, right, right. are you effing kidding me? Like <laughs> who's and got I, two years? Like, <laughs> yeah, not everyone. And I've heard like the, sometimes the case with a lot of like the, the drugs for the, for help, like with the brain chemistry, like either either they work or they don't work. So I mean, at least there's that. So you know, okay, yeah. like if it's not working, you know, pretty quickly. And if it is, that's good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I finally, I just was like, I got to ramp off of this, and um, then I went. To, you know, and during this time, FYI for others, at least the short term disability group we have, we have Unum. Um, who I so funny. I used to work for the Seattle office for Unum when mm-hmm. I was. 30 or it was probably the first corporate job I ever had. I was like a receptionist. So it was really funny to like, Oh, I'm using Unum, but I would, uh, but I have to say it was not dealing with insurance companies. It was not fun. You know, has, like, has it ever been fun to deal I, with insurance? No, I'm sure it's not, but I just found, you know, I'm, I, I kept saying to my husband, I go, I feel like the old lady on the Incredibles, you know, <laughs> where I'm getting the runaround um, in the middle of, de- you know, a depression or anxiety, I'm getting the runaround, I'm getting quizzed, mm-hmm. you know, like every couple of weeks they'd send forms to my doctor. I have to go see my doctor. And then they're like, are you sure you not feel better? Are you sure? Can't you go back to work? Like yeah, you're supposed to be better by now. Come on. Oh my God. Well, it was so maddening because my doctor was like, no, she's, my recommendation is August. It was like, nope. Protocol is like every two weeks we're checking in. And I said to them, I go, you know, you're making this harder, right? Like, yeah. not that. Not that the person on the phone has any bandwidth to say, oh, you're right. Let me change that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got a strict rules and policies to and procedures they're going to follow. And it's they don't exactly. necessarily help people be healthy. Yeah. I think that's a hard thing, too. Like now that every, more people have insurance now, but I feel like there's less coverage, too. Thanks to <gasps> Thank like, the, the new kind of health care stuff. So I'm like, it's great that we're having a better national mandate to get more people health care. But. I think the insurance company's response to that was like, well, we'll just make it more difficult to get your money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was like, what exactly? Nothing's covered here. Like, so, I mean, I did the dance and, um, once I figured out there was a dance and, you know, it was funny when I talked to someone, I was like, oh, so is this the, th- is this the protocol I'm going to have to do every two weeks? And it's like, they hesitated to say yes, like they shouldn't. And I was like, oh, you don't want me to know that? Mm-hmm. Like, this is just seems weird. So, um, I did the little dance and I love my doctor because she was so like, this is, you know, effing ridiculous. And I'm like, yep, look, we're doing a bureaucracy dance. And so anywho, so that's just something I wanted to toss out there for anyone who's going through that. But um, I got off of this stuff and during this whole time, too, I mean, I'm I was feeling I have to say, like, wiped out, just wiped out. I literally think I would just get up, make coffee and go sit in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, And then. Uh, my doctor then suggested Pristique and handed me like, you know, a free box of it. So this is kind of my other thing, too, is that it's kind of doled out pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, you're doling out chemicals that mess with my brain pretty easily. This is my brain we're talking about, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to get medication samples and stuff, it seems like. But, I mean, I guess that's good and bad. It's yeah. there's, there's not anything. I mean, it's nice that there, we have the access to them. We can try them. 
you know, as opposed to not having any of these things. Exactly. Like I don't want to be someone who's sick for those who need it. And I definitely knew no friends who were like, it's working for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, amen. Like I don't, I would not profess to say I know any, I'm not Tom Cruise. All right, people like I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's working for people. That's great. In my case, um, I took that and that had different side effects. Um, but in the end, I, my bottom line was like, I know what it feels like to feel good. Mm. I remember, you know, like I know what it feels like to get jazzed about something and I am never having any of those feelings, anything close to that on these drugs. And so I just decided to get off that as well. And just personally for me, I hit, I don't know. I think I just needed that time away and here's another story. All right. Mm. Within that time, you'll laugh at this and hope. People don't think I'm like chaos attractor, but during this time, and maybe this was the part of what was supposed to happen is, you know, I needed that time just to sit down and maybe being all messed up in my head, helped me sit down. And uh, in the middle of this, I, uh, I'm volunteering for my son's class and we go on a field trip to Wright Park in Tacoma, uh, which has had a history of um, lots of drug years, users, and, and they're, they're cleaning it up, though. And, oh, that's good. So otherwise, it's a weird uh, field trip destination. Let's go to well, the rundown park with drug users. <laughs> I know, right? Well, the story is, so I, I'm with my son's class. We're walking up to the um, conservatory, plant conservatory, and I step on a hypodermic needle. Oh, no. Yeah, awful. Like that I literally terrible. Yeah. swore like a sailor. I was just like, motherfucking like <laughs> Oh, my God, and, yeah. I had one of the kids pull out this needle and and I was just like, Oh God, one, Oh gross. Like, Oh. And so, but I knew right away I was like, okay, I got to go to the hospital, which is right right next to the park, which is good. But I also thought to myself, thank God it was me and not one of the eight year olds. Yeah. Little kiddos. I was like, Holy hell. Like if if there's a, if there's a silver lining, I guess that's it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm taking it where I can get it. Uh Um, so I had, so in the middle of this, I think I was taking, Maybe I was taking Lexapro or coming off of it. Then I had to go take a protocol of drugs for, and this is what they have you do: is you go take a protocol of drugs to well, for HIV or Hep. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, to when you take these, maybe I guess the thought is early enough, it's just a, a protective layer to not get that. So uh-huh. now I'm like realizing, oh my god, now I got to take this horse pill. Mm-hmm. for this stuff and antidepressants. And so I just think chemically for a while, I was too much stuff in the brain. And yeah, I can imagine that can't be, right? can't be good for your overall, just like how you're going to feel if you're taking a massive amount of drugs. Yeah, exactly. And you're kind of, it kind of makes you nauseous and all sorts. So I was really, mm-hmm. man, I was just sitting down for a good month or so. And, um, and then, you know, finally, I think at two and a half months, I, through all of this, I was like, you know, I think I'm, I just kind of was like, I think I'm done. You know, I think I'm over doing these drugs and I think it's time that I, for now, go back to work and, uh, and I, I feel way better. So I'll just cap that off. I feel way better. I got off everything and all of a sudden was like, Oh, there it is. There's that good feeling like, Oh "Oh, yeah. Yay. So much feeling much, much better. Everyone. Um, much that's, more empowered. Yeah, that's good. And that's without any, uh, like, supplement medication or anything? Just- yeah, no drugs. I don't, oh. take, I, don't t- I don't take any antidepressants. I don't. Um, they kind of, they gave me, uh, uh, which is 
which is pretty regular when you're ramping up on a new drug, they'll give you Xanax or things like that. But, mm-hmm. um, and I can never pronounce the version I have a lot. Alprazolam or it's not, it's not a, anyways, there's a couple versions of it. So, um, but that stuff makes me feel mm-hmm. really tired and I don't want that either. If, and I'm not really having panic attacks. So, right, right. um, I have, I have had that in the past, but I'm not now. So that's, that's pretty great. So, but I, you know, that time off was good and it was definitely, I had a lot of time to think and mm-hmm. it's got me more prepared for like what I want to do in the future. But um, I feel like I'm talking a lot about myself at this point. Ryan, what the hell's going on with you? Well, you're the star of the show. I mean, it's Am about I? everybody wants to know what you've been up to. Oh, I don't know about everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I've been I've been recently having some like nice health uh, adventures as well. I know. So, I mean, I don't know how interesting this is to everybody's listening. It's like we talk about your health. I can talk about my health. We're getting old. We talk about how our bad health now. This is what. People well, you do. know what? There's people our age. <laughs> I was going to say people to not feel alone or just to know somebody else maybe is experienced. I think that is good. I yeah. think that's worth, worthwhile. What happened to you? Well, I had a funny experience. I, I I've had like some chronic back problems. I had like a. I herniated disc, lower disc, like 20 years oh, ago when I was young. Yeah. I injured it, like uh, building some IKEA furniture, ironically. And uh, <laughs> it was, a, you know, it was a heavy loft bed thing, and so it's just always been a problem. So, but it got really, really bad. I went to ER because I couldn't move, and they were like, "This was," and this wasn't really the. They were like, "Here's a bunch of drugs. You'll feel better." That worked, but they were like, "Oh, by the way, your blood pressure's really, really high. Like, oh. shouldn't be this high." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, I've never really had high blood pressure before. I used to have." like low blood pressure i used to like faint and stuff like that from sitting down and standing up oh wow so it's like kind of a new experience for me uh and it turned out that it wasn't just being at the hospital was making it high i was testing it every day and it stayed really really high so started seeing my regular doctor and put me on some medication this seems to be helping but oh, good. It, it was kind of one of those things though where i'm seeing my doctor and we're going over the symptoms and she's like okay well you know you got how about uh, headaches? I'm like, yeah, I've been getting headaches recently, and I'm like, oh, and I've got spots in my vision, and I've got these other things, and she's just like, this is a huge list of terrible things. <laughs> like you're on the cusp of like a stroke or a heart attack. Like it could happen any moment right now, and I'm just like, that's, oh, no. that's, like that's not what I want to hear, you know? Yeah. So you're just yeah. like, you're like crap. I'm guess I'm glad I'm here. So it's like, all right, let's, what can we do about it? You know, and it's the usual stuff. Like, well, here's some meds that'll help, but definitely get healthier, lose weight, exercise, eat better. Yeah. The stuff do you that. Med- I do don't you meditate? Uh, I do. I used to meditate a lot more. I need. I've gotten back onto it. Um, it's kind yeah. of funny. I actually even like wrote one of the first apps I wrote for. Like it was for Windows Phone or for Windows. Even though I should have done it for iOS, was a meditation <laughs> meditation app because I was really oh, big really? on meditation. And then uh, deviated from my path because I got into this weird habit of every time I'd meditate, I'd think more about my meditation app. I'm like, oh, you know, I could work. <laughs> I could do this to improve my app. But it's like that's not what meditation's about at all. <laughs> so messed up that's so like t- like today you know what i mean yeah. like oh the guy the tech guy of course can't meditate because he's building the app and so <laughs> yeah so you're like oh you know it would be better yeah it'd be to have some ambient sound or maybe some guided meditation sometimes when you need it you're like <laughs> <laughs> that's so messed up <laughs> <laughs> so i managed to just put that aside shelf that project entirely and we just went back now now i'm just doing regular meditation oh that's good yeah that's good i don't know i i always think you know getting meditation in there, just calming yourself, just sitting still and helping your body um, slow down and get some peace. Can't hurt, right? No, it's always can't. a good thing. Yeah. Sure, it's not the solve all, but it's it can't hurt. I'm definitely uh, meditating every day, like every day. And I do a specific meditation to kind of wash like any negativity out in the world or any negative self-talk or 
anything not useful to me, just like letting it go just cause I don't need to be making life harder for myself. And yeah, yeah <laughs> you I know, know, I think we're both, I don't know if you feel like I, you know, people who think too much, um, and you know, kind of find their minds just constantly whittling away at some problem. Mm-hmm. I, I think meditation is just highly useful to, I think so too. And yeah. I've actually, that's how I became like a big fan of like Pima children because there were some oh, times yeah. where you're just like, you know, sure. I could just sit here quietly for five, 10 minutes, but sometimes you really do need the help. You need somebody to like lead you through it. And yeah. so I always found like when I started listening to her, I can't remember how I found it. it was, I feel like it was just like on audible or something random, like a podcast. Yeah. I heard her giving a guided meditation and I was like, yeah, I, I like She's very calm. She says She's sensible great. things. Yes. She definitely is describing my crazy busy mind right now. And I'm like, you know, it certainly helped a lot. Uh, she's amazing. I, 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 it's funny you bring her up. And for anyone who doesn't know, Pema Chodron is uh, a monk, right? She's uh, yeah, she's a Tibetan Buddhist monk. She's yeah, right. Exactly. And she's just an older white lady too. I love that. Like, yeah. I just love like, that's unusual. Um, did, I didn't tell you, uh, the weekend my mom passed, my friend Barbara Mitchell, we were in Barnes and Noble, and she's like, "Oh, have you ever read Pema Chodron?" And I was like, "No." And she, so I bought three books, and I'm telling you, those books alone got me through the initial mm-hmm. uh, terribleness of grief it, over and over again. I should, we'll, we'll set, we'll put a link to her stuff. Yeah, I think her "When this. Things Fall Apart" is an excellent book for, That's her, for exactly. everyone. Yeah, it, yes. it really is good. Yeah, it was amazing. I clung to those books. Um, uh, so, well, that's interesting. Yeah, and she is really sensible. I love that you say she's sensible. It's like she uh, she she just simply gets the point across, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's know, really helpful. Yeah, she seems realistic. I mean, it's kind of like something I you know I grew up in Catholic school and but a lot of exposure to like various religions and things, and it never really related to me. It's nice when you hear somebody you're like, oh, you're just you're just being realistic. You're like. Your life's stressful. Your life's busy. Just take a break. You're like, yeah, right. Thank you. Oh yeah, that's what I need to do. <laughs> You're crazy like that. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's not necessarily even a spiritual thing. If people are, don't like that sort of thing, it's really just like you know practical yeah. sensibility. Well, and I think it's a good first step towards um, cal- well calming your mind enough to let probably your personal answers come in, or maybe um, um, some truth that you hadn't probably was lingering there, but like hadn't come through because you're just worried with all the like daily stuff and shoulda, coulda, wouldas and all sorts of baggage. And that's, I really like that about her too, is it's sort of a kind of beginning pathway to sort of find your inner truth, mm-hmm. um, which could be helpful. I really, I think out of this, um, have gotten clear about like my next steps or what's important to me. And, and, you know, if, and especially with friends passing, friends and family passing, you realize you're like, okay, I've got a finite amount of time on the planet. What am I doing with that's, that time? It's an important realization because I think when you're young, of course, you know, you're, you're yeah. going to live forever and you're invulnerable yeah. to everything. And then you kind of have to hit a point where you're like, oh, sh- crap, I am going to, I will yeah. die. You know, everybody yeah. dies. So how do I, what do I want to do with my life? Exactly. That's been, I mean, this has probably been coming for a long time, but this year, I turned 50 this year. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So I, thank you very much. I'm half a century. I will be. I keep saying like I'm already 50, but uh, September 24th, I will turn 50, half a century mm-hmm. old. I love saying everything in half a century, quarter century, just because it <laughs> seems so 
It sounds a lot huge. bigger than, yeah. Doesn't it? Just yeah. 50. Majestic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's definitely, uh, and midlife, You, I think we've talked about midlife is such a interesting time, and mm-hmm. I feel like uh, there's, there's maybe there's a ton written about. It. I don't think there's so much written about it, or it's like defined for people about like midlife's a real thing, and it's not necessarily the the guy buying a Corvette and getting a younger girlfriend. It's it's so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a turning point. Well, from, it's, it's that when you realize there there could be fewer years ahead than there were yeah. behind you, and you're like, oh, uh, this is not a comfortable feeling. Yeah, exactly. And I think it starts sooner than people think. I think mine started kind of in my late 30s. It was the first time I ever looked backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I started in my 30s, maybe maybe even at 30, and then every five years after that, where you're like, crap. Right. Oh, my God, yeah. 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 And I, uh, I, so this year in particular, we, but it feels more empowering. Like, I'm not afraid to be 50. I'm certainly not mm-hmm. a vain, like, oh, I want to look young forever. I was like, um, uh, none of that stuff is, is there for me, but definitely some... Uh, desire and work towards we need to be getting to what we really want to be doing you know mm-hmm. and a lot of that for me is returning and healing uh, things around music um, really finding what my uh, my what I truly love to do and so what I really the kind of work that I, I re- my heart really responds to is helping others but we're like mentoring if it's if it's younger students with music or like I have volunteered for the rain city rock girl camp or the ladies camp they do. So it's women Mm -hmm. who are, you know, 20 to 80 doing music often for the first time. And, and I, you know, supporting them and sharing info with them and cheering them on. That's that, that stuff really does it for me. Mm -hmm. And so this year I've decided, um, a, a couple great things have happened. And again, and people can, I'm sure we could have a whole podcast on this woo-woo stuff, but like I'm a big like uh, law kind of law of attraction, metaphysical manifester kind of like those are these are things that I believe in and work and do, and we can kind of get into that. But like I definitely have sat down like in meditation to dig out like what do you truly love, what would that look like, and how do we like go get it? Because mm-hmm. to me, like quote you know, manifesting things isn't that you passively sit by. It's, you know, the balance between like get clear in your head about what you really, really love and then take some steps, you know, and then see what happens because I'm a huge lover of synchronicity and my whole life has been full of crazy town, love it, synchronicity, like shit showing up. And I love that. Um, That's the way life works often. Yeah. You can't. Sometimes planning is hard. Sometimes the accidental things are, are what makes it great. Yeah, and why not have some magic in the world? You know what I mean? Like yeah. the world could use some magic and happiness. And oh my god, it, you know, I got what I wanted, and it showed up out of nowhere. And um, so this, when we moved to, so my husband and I, we um, Orion moved to Tacoma. We were celebrating our one year anniversary in Tacoma. Awesome. Yeah. And when I got here, I think I had started thinking about all this even a year ago about what would you know teaching and things like that. So I said, oh, there's alternative high schools here. Um, School of Theater and Arts, there's um, School of Science and Math, and there's a new one called IDEA, which is the Institute for Industrial Design and Art mm-hmm. for high schools. It's free. It's public. So somebody told me about SODA and um, said, hey, they have adjunct teachers, musicians who come and teach. You know, you're, um, you're not like, I don't think you're regular staff, but you can come and teach a class. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ooh, I want to do that. And sure enough, this year, 
I put together a class and sent it to God knows who at Soda. Like I was just give me, you know, again, Facebook. Thank you. This is what you're good for. Mm-hmm. Reached out to people and said, who knows anybody at Soda? Like <laughs> somebody give me names. Yeah. Somebody does. And so I took those steps and emailed off like this class proposal. And lo and behold, I got um, Paul, who is um, the head of the performing arts part of the music part of mm-hmm. soda and he's a huge hammerbox fan like oh nice humongous and so him and i had a great lunch and he was like and he just made me feel so great he was like i think not only would you be an asset to the school you'd be an asset to tacoma and i was like wow that's 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 not saying a lot for tacoma no i'm just kidding no. <laughs> tacoma's amazing though Tacoma's <laughs> a magical place even though it has some crazy town to it um it is amazing it has mm-hmm. great collaboration but i was like wow that's i needed to hear that i think my little oh for sure i mean you're definitely an asset too i mean you're a talented person with a <laughs> stuff to offer so you know i wasn't begging for a compliment there i swear to god <laughs> <laughs> but anyways him and i talked and sure enough he's um he said hey i would love to have you teach like an advanced performance class so I get to do that starting this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I, My husband also started working for the school district as an emergency sub. Oh, cool. And he suggested to me, like, hey, you'd like that too. And um, I've just started getting clear about some things that uh, I want to do. I've, I've put together a, a lunch um, uh, with about 10 mus- um, women mm-hmm. who are musicians that I know. Because I realize, after having a, a great conversation with um, uh, Naja Monique is in um, Miragloss here, is mm-hmm. a band in Tacoma with Del Brown, and I can't remember their other band names, but they're uh, a band from here that's doing really well, and her and I, she does amazing hair, I will say, so she cut my hair for me, and during this time, during this like haircut, her and I had almost an exhaustive conversation about music and the things that happen in music. And it was so, um, helpful, like just nourishing just to talk to another, um, Mm -hmm. female musician who is going through the same things or needed to talk to somebody because it's hard to talk to, you know, people about what it's like or what you go through when you're in a new band and you're starting to get bigger and all the things that happen, Mm -hmm. Uh, or the work that goes into it. And so I just thought we need to have a lunch with any, you know, like 10 women who musicians who uh, for a peer talk. Right. You know, it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing that August 27th and there's, there's about 10 folks who hopefully can make it and just shoot the shit about art and the making of it and the things you want to do and the weird shit that happens or the weird people Mm -hmm. and, the lovely people. And so, um, I think I, I figure I just was thinking that would be really nourishing for me. I, you know, I didn't have that in my twenties. I didn't reach out to people, um, let alone have like close girlfriends or anything like that, that I could share, mm-hmm. um, any of the good times or bad times. So I just thought, well, again, I mean, it turning seems 50. Like a, a female artist support group seems like a good thing anyways. Well, even pretty male or female anyways, just because from the standpoint of you're going to get weird fans. And you, like, oh, God, you yeah. gotta have a way to like, like, how do you deal with <laughs> Well, I mean, weird people? Shit, people do weird things, right? Like, again, yeah. even if you're on a modicum, small, small, nobody in the universe knows who you are. But if in the Northwest or in Tacoma, someone knows you, mm-hmm. people say the strangest things if they are a fan of yours. They think they can. Right. Or they don't, or they don't think at all. And they, like, why would you say that to me? <laughs> or, 
why are you saying that to me? And just people, you're, you know, friends also react to you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you see changes in behavior, sometimes disappointing. You know, the bat, you know, people get jealous. Right. They get resentful. It's just, you know, th- things that this situation brings out can be good and bad. So I just thought, hey, at 50, let's let's get some of that for yourself. Let's get some support. And um, I, I don't, it's not, it's not a lunch where we're just going to sit around and like, you know, hen talk about like, no, you're great. No, you're great. And whatever. It's like, it's, that could be its own thing. It could be, it could be. I got, you know, I do have friends for that, but (laughs) (laughs) um, I I think it would be nice if we actually used it as a way to propel ourselves to excellence too. Like, what do you want to do? Hell yeah, go do that. Like, Mm -hmm. and you know, so that you have a group that is, I always say is helping you strive to go to college and not stay in the high school parking lot. Like, what do you, do you want to go to college or do you want to stay here in high school? You want to go to college? Like then don't, don't worry about what your, your, the negative thing that your supposed friend is saying to you or the jealousy that they're feeling. You go do what you want to do. Like get going. Mm -hmm. Like none of this lingering around. Yeah. It's a good Um, analogy because like who wants to stay in a high school park? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are those people. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, there are. So he's like, I'm comfortable here and I don't want to go any further. Yeah, I'm comfortable here and I want to make you highly uncomfortable because you're not threatening my mm-hmm. comfort zone. You know, crap like that. That happens. I had like, I played this show with Star Anna, who is wonderful, and I've invited her. Um, I played this show, just simple opening up acoustically. And so, for example, you know, strange things. Sweet, strange things people do. Mm-hmm. I'm up on stage. It's just me and an acoustic guitar. And this guy from the audience keeps yelling out uh, goodness songs. And goodness <laughs> songs that there's no – obviously I cannot play. Like he'd yell out, Wicked Eye. And I'm like, are you kidding? Or Super Wise. And I'm like, what do you think's going to happen here, buddy? Uh, like, I, I, I mean, technically <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> so it puts me in this awkward place where, you know, I'm standing on stage and somebody's yelling at me. You know, yelling, but he's just like shouting out requests, and I was mm-hmm. like, "So you think I'm gonna bust out Superwise on guitar? Like that? No." <laughs> well, not only that, you're like, I have this whole planned out here. I'm not. I'm yeah, not, I had a not show here just to do what you want. I mean, this isn't a jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but people think that you know he meant. I talked to him afterwards, mm-hmm. and like they mean well because sure, they're just sure. excited and all that. But they do. They place, you know but you placed me in this really awkward spot. Actually, I had music I wanted to share. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just up here for you to yell at. Like, it's rude, um, even <laughs> if you meant well. And so stuff like that. There's yeah. stuff like that that people maybe don't realize. Right. I mean, it's not their fault they had bad parents. No. <laughs> no that's, <laughs> it just boils down to that at all times. So anywho, so there's that going on. And then I'm going to start a... Uh, I'm going to start I'm having a friend build a, a website, just simple. It's actually Libby's going to help me, which will be oh, nice. nice. Just something simple. And uh, I'm going to ha- start offering some classes. Like uh, I taught a class at the at the EMP. It was a certificate program between the UW and EMP. Okay. And it's really for any adult who wants music mentorship. And you could play an instrument. You could not. You could. But if I get about 10 10, 15 people, um, the, these classes will be about four to eight weeks long and it's really about songwriting. It's about performing. We'll have people group together and partner. Um, and it's about all sorts of things within that. So I, I want to build this website to start putting those classes up. And then, um, I'm also going to offer like coaching. 
um, for really for creativity in general, but life in general, but I'm starting with my wheelhouse. Like I'm starting with coaching around, uh, music and creativity, but truthfully, I'm really open to anybody who just has, um, a goal in mind, but they're feeling really stuck for whatever reason. Well, that's so great. I mean, who doesn't doesn't need it? And if they can get it from you, that's pretty great. Well, and you know, I, I go see a life coach. Like I love seeing a coach and you know, it's, I mean, I've seen counselors or um, therapists, you know, those are good for support. But after a while, it's different when you meet with someone who's a coach who can either meet you where you are, but help you problem solve. Right. Yeah. Because I kind of feel like with therapy, you're paying them to like. Listen. Yeah. To listen and and be on your side. Whereas a coach might not always be on your side. They're like, no, you're not. You're not doing a good job. You need to do work harder. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Like my, uh, one of the ladies I saw, Jamie Lemon, uh, thank you, Jamie, who literally made me break down my fear. It was almost like, I I felt like I was having a tantrum when she made me break it down. Mm -hmm. Like I was in tears. She was like, well, okay, you have this fear around, uh, a little bit of fear around performing or agoraphobia or whatever. And so let's break it down. Like, and she literally was like, can you sing? I was like, yes. Do you like singing? Yes. Yeah, no, no. Have you done it before? And I was getting more mad. The more she asked me questions, I was like, yeah, shut up. Like, and she was like, okay, you need to, to her, she was like, you need to mantra your brain in the right direction. She was like, I want you to say, we dug in deeper too, like just mm-hmm. the feelings of probably just fear and all that. She's like, you know, you're loved and supported. And then she had a mantra for me, which I use today. She's like, you can too do this. <laughs> You can too. You're going to have to make, um, it it goes back to my mom passing. And again, the main parent, it's like, you're, you're going to have to move into a phase where you now a hundred percent do this yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's something really deep, at least in me that emotionally needed to hand off the baton to myself and say, you can too do this. And maybe your mom's not here to say that to you. You have to say that to yourself now. Like you can too do this. And it's crazy how much that's helped. (laughs) I can't imagine. I can't imagine why that would help. (laughs) I know. Right. Like it's something, but stuff like that. Sometimes the obvious stuff is hard too. When you're like, especially if you're struggling, you know, it's like where you're like, I do need to believe in myself. I mean, yes, that seems crazy when you have to remind yourself that you need to believe in yourself, but everybody does, you know, it's so easy to, to be disheartened or challenged or just stressed out and not think that you, you're not good enough for things is I think the negative thoughts come easy for everyone. You know? Yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, I also think we often look for our solutions outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Like, Oh, I'll ask, I'll, I'll, I'll ask somebody else for advice or what do you right, think? Right. Or what do you think? Or it's a good point. You know, and then other things, but you know, you can bury those emotions too with other things as well. And so, yeah, I know what you mean. It felt very tenuous to me like hesitant to be like, no, the only person who can do this for you is you. Right. And sometimes and like, talking mm. to other people, that's all it does is it reminds you, you're like, oh yeah, I know what I need to do. I mean, I'm yes. telling you, but it's coming from me. So thanks. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, you're going to have to walk this walk on your own, mm-hmm. um, which sounds like so many fantasy novels and, you know, <laughs> sagas and quests, but maybe that's where they, you know, that's how, why we relate to those stories. But mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Like just to have these, like mentorship classes and start doing some coaching and, um, we'll put, we'll put, um, uh, I, well, we can put my email up cause I don't, I wouldn't mind just starting that now. I'm going to have folks can either contact me via 
email um, mm-hmm. at carry.ocri at outlook.com. And then I've, I've got cards and stuff that I'll pass up. But it'll be fun to put up um, like the website and contact info just to see what happens too. Because I don't know, Ryan. Like I don't know if nobody will call or if a deluge of people will call or that's that's part of the scary movement forward. Yeah. But also the exciting like, okay, I don't, it doesn't have to like blow up overnight. And um, mm-hmm. But – when you probably don't want a thousand people to show up over right, there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I might be like a little, oh God. Yeah. Got good problem to have though, you know, mm-hmm. be a good problem to have. So we shall see. We'll put that stuff up. Um, yeah, I think that's exciting because right. it's, it's a lot of opportunity and you can see how well it goes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how are, um, I want to get back to you because mm-hmm. some, I often have to say, I listen to these podcasts and I was like, God, Care Bear, you talk really fast, <laughs> you talk a lot. <laughs> And um, why don't you shut up a little bit? Like, I don't know. You've got a lot to say, though. That's the thing. Like, you've, you've got a lot going on in your life all the time. I mean, we haven't even talked about, like, the new band stuff. And, oh, you know, my God. you got a lot well, going yeah. on. But Thank you. We can talk about me if you want. That's fine. Well, yeah, I just get really excited. Yeah, just everybody knows. I, my, mm-hmm. I've run into problems with friends who are like, ah, you know, like, I was like, I just get excited. Um, <laughs> You're passionate. Yeah, That's the yeah. important thing. Thank you very much. I'm a renaissance gal. (laughs) But Ryan, what's going on with you, man? (laughs) Oh, you know, it's maybe not nearly as exciting or as interesting. So the health stuff's been fun. Um, But mostly just been working a lot lately because I'm in the startup life right now. Yeah. How is that? What's that like? It's really, it's great, actually. It's It's a great team. Everybody's like super talented. It's nice working with people who are a lot smarter than me. So I kind of really enjoy that. Uh, you know, a lot of like, you know, PhDs and people, and it, it's a topic that I wasn't an expert at. It's like what I do. I mean, I'm just doing front end development design, which is what I do well, but the whole concept. And let's just say, let's just say you are super smart. So a super smart person needs <laughs> to be with other smart people. So I just, okay, I'm done. It, hel- it helps. Yeah. I like being around <laughs> smart people. So I, I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. And I'm just, I'm learning like every day so much stuff. And the interesting thing is like, you know, web design development has taken some major leaps in the last just few years with like how people do things. So I kind of feel like, you know, I hit that another feeling of like a midlife crisis. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm like old and I'm behind and I don't understand how any of this works anymore. And I'm like, this isn't how we used to do stuff. And then, uh, you know, I saw a post, um, from uh, Jeffrey Zeldman at like exactly the same time saying exactly the same thing. And I was just like, Oh, thank you for feeling the same way as I am right now, because it does feel overwhelming. You know, how much is, because technology just always changes so fast. Yeah. So trying to keep up with it, but I feel like I've kind of ramped up, kind of caught up on things and, uh, you know, and able to contribute value again, Yeah. <laughs> you know, with a, with a, a mostly younger team of, of people. So it's weird being, you know, I'm not the oldest guy, but you know, it's nice being like the older guy in the, in the team of a lot of young people. Well, like I always like to say, you're not dead yet. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. You've got plenty to do. I mean, do. the gray beard makes me look a lot older than everybody else, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Just you got to – but you got to use that to your advantage, right? Like yeah, you're the yeah. house of wisdom. You're like, you know, that could be a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's supposed <laughs> to be like, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I was amazed when I was getting to know you. We had the conversation about how long you've been in the tech industry, and you've been at the start of things so many times, which is so mm-hmm. cool. And you are now just a whole nother level. Um, there's not many people. I, I don't know many people like you, you know, who've really in the Northwest, mm-hmm. who've really been there from the start in a lot of these companies right, or right. technology. So it, it, 
it can well, only gotta, be interesting for others to talk to you. I got to keep trying because I keep picking the wrong companies. <laughs> <laughs> like it's always like, oh, I, I, I sure I talked to Amazon when there were like ten people and they were in like in the uh, Pike Place Market area or something like that, and I said you guys are crazy, and then they turned out to be really well. Where's the startup <laughs> I picked? You know, did okay, but. I didn't make it rich at any of the ones I, I've been at. So that's too funny. So I got to keep at it. I'm like, one of these yeah. days, one of these has to work. I mean, it's just uh, it's how odds, yeah. the odds should work. Out. <laughs> now, when you were at Amazon, did you really, did your gut, did you just get scared? Or oh, I was never an employee. I interviewed with them, though, when they were like really brand new. Like they were still just, yeah. you know, a book uh, seller. And they were like, you know, you went in and it was doors on saw uh, horses saw and things like that. Wow. And it really wasn't very many people there. And the funny thing was is that they were like they were looking for a designer, but they were all open source in Linux, which you know well, was it like more than fifteen years ago now? It was like I don't even want to think about how long ago it was now. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was like the tools in the open source community to do design work then were were horrible. I think GIMP had just come out, oh. which is like pretty good now. I mean, it's still not as good as Photoshop. And, and I was like, I don't really want to work in those tools. You know, I don't really want oh. to, I don't want to work that way, you guys. And so good luck to you. You know, you'll find the right person. And cause I'm like, you're a book, you're a bookseller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not even the career path I want to get into is selling books, you know? And so That's all right. I'm sure there's a lot of other people who have these kinds of stories, you know, where there's just like these tech startups where you, you were like, I was right there at the beginning. And I said, no, you know, I'm sh- yeah. I bet it's like, uh, seems to be pretty common these days. But it sounds like you had a very clear idea of like what you liked and didn't like, and there's nothing ever wrong with that. Like you yeah, knew, yeah. you know, like and what? Who knows what stress might have, you know, happened to you then? You it know? probably you still would have been never a good know. for me. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I've known a lot of people that did get in early and did really, really well. And you know, hey, more power to them. You know, yeah. great people, and they deserve that kind of stuff. And it's not like I'm suffering or hurting or anything either. You know, it's like I've done well. I just haven't been like, I own a Ferrari in a seven car garage. You know, it's like, no, no you know, I, I got that's a 10 year old car and it's great. <laughs> hey, you're happy. You know, uh-huh. that's the elusive like gift anyways. I think that a lot of those folks with the Ferraris are still maybe searching for, you know what I mean? Not that yeah. anything's wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with money and having whatever toys you want to have. But I think there's a lot of stories where. I was just talking to to a woman who was an architect. This is a side shooting off story. Mm -hmm. Um, And she worked in New York and she worked for a lot of millionaires. And she kind of reiterated probably what we hear a lot. She's like, she goes, I would say 99, 98% of my clientele were unhappy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to believe that because that's the only way to get through. You know, you got to like, people who don't have the money have to be like, they're just unhappy. (laughs) I know, we're telling ourselves. Right? I mean, exactly. They're not. They're not really enjoying their vacations or their leisure life. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it would be, but but the to feel farcical is even worse, right? Mm-hmm. Like to be in a situation where you're like, I should be happy because I have all these things, but I'm not is almost worse, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. um, than just feeling unhappy. But to be like, I have everything, and you're telling me it's not going to help. Well, it's a joke. Like, yeah. And, I, so. and like for me, the real value that I got out of all these startups and being in the tech and staying in Seattle all this time is like I've got to know so many great people, you know, and like right. you can't put a price on that. You know, you're just like you oh. and I. Yeah, exactly. So I, great. I, I, I got to meet you. I, like, like the, the list is so long of like these like fabulously talented people. Well, and I work with one of your friends, Eric. He's very right, he's right. incredibly nice. Um, I, I think that's a really good point. I think the value of uh, of 
the things you do get out of an experience, even if you mm-hmm. feel like, oh, you regret them. Or I was talking the other day about how I took a turn into corporate world um, when I was around 37. And on the one hand, I could say, oh, I really regret that because I walked away from my musical side and I abandoned myself and, you know, and then I went corporate and I, mm-hmm. I, I did feel a lot of loneliness and disconnection within those hallways. Um, but like you say, I also met people who are still my friends today and I feel grateful that, um, I succeeded in those walls and those jobs took me places where I met other people who are still my friends. And so good things come, came out, have come out of all of those experiences. I, th- I think it's, I tr- I'm a big believer. It's like, you can have anything you want. It's what you make of it. Right. Like, right. Right. For sure. You know, I got anything I ever wanted. I mean, um, but so I don't really regret, mm-hmm. you know, and e- even if I was having hard times, those are lessons. So <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't regret any of the decisions. I think they were all good decisions and it ends up, you end up where you end up, you know, because of the, the choices you make in life. And yeah, it's all a fun, exciting adventure. I mean, sometimes it is interesting talking to people though. And you're like, Oh, I remember like when the first web browser came out and I was, you know, working on getting stuff and they're like, what? That was like, <laughs> right. You're like, yeah, well, I mean, I got to experience that. I got to be part of this whole journey. Yeah. You know? We need to have a, what you've mentioned, we need to have a podcast all around tech. Mm-hmm. And you, and you have, I mean, there's a lot of tech podcasts already, but we could, we could certainly do uh, an F well, of that. I, well, I, I mean, maybe just selfishly for me, mm-hmm. I would just love to hear the stories, at least the stories between you and the people, you know, mm-hmm. that's all I want. I just want to, <laughs> so I know you have some folks that you want to invite. Yeah. Yeah. There's talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, actually what's funny is I've kind of been reconnecting with somebody that, um, I used to work at a startup, one of the many, uh, recently and she's a talented musician and she's actually trying to get into like grief counseling and stuff. Well, so I think she'd be a good oh. fit for the show cause she's yeah. like grief counseling musician. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, and there's plenty of topics within the tech walls where, um, like for women, women mm-hmm. working in tech, you know, there's like, there's things probably within the, you know, that arena of work that people aren't talking about, mm-hmm. you know, um, like work pace or lifestyle or work balance or lack thereof, or right, right. I, mean, I, I think it's ripe for, you know, I'd love to talk about how tech is shaping the Northwest, you know, changing Seattle. Yeah. For better uh, or for worse. And a lot of raising rents. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And what's the fallout from so much of that industry being here and how it changes how people live or, you know, don't get to live or, um, I, I, I would really love to, especially the Northwest, just talking about the changes it has brought. So we will look to do that. Yeah, I think we should. I think it'd be an interesting topic. Yeah, I do too. Well, on that note, we are like, I'll just, we're at an hour. We, we do are, a good, yeah. healthy hour. Um, well, let's plan to do that. Let's next podcast is uh, Northwest in tech, and then you've got the peeps around that. Um, I'll, I'll prepare e- some notes. Yeah, <laughs> we could even have a panel. Ooh, you know, we could I think, panel of folks. So I'm looking. I think mm-hmm. that'd be great. Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to us, letting us catch up with all of you, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you have any questions, you can. Reach out to us. We're going to put uh, my email address up there is Carrie, C A R R I E dot A K R E at Outlook.com. Don't be um, weird or creepy, everyone. Don't be weird or creepy. Um, not that you would. I know too many awesome people, but um, I'll just block your ass. Anyways, <laughs> uh, reach out to us if you have questions, or um, and we'll get more links and info. We'll have some Payment Chodron links and 
um, all sorts of good stuff. So thank you for listening. Spread the word. If you like this podcast, um, spread it around, and we will talk to you soon. Excellent. Well, thank you. All right. Bye, Ryan. All right. Bye-bye, Carrie.